Hi, and welcome to Slices, the Deep Dish Swift podcast. Deep Dish Swift is a supreme SwiftScript developer conference being served in Chicago from April 30th to May 2nd, 2023. On this podcast, we'll be chatting with the organizers and speakers of the conference. We're Kaya Malin, and in this episode, we're chatting with Curtis Herbert, who is the creator of the app Slopes, and of course, a speaker at the Deep Dish Swift conference. Hi, Curtis. Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. Thanks yeah, for joining. Thanks. Thank you so much for oh, being course. with us. Um, yeah, I think this will this will be really fun to to chat with you uh, both about what you're up to, even if we we know a bit of your background. Uh, we do <laughs> want to start there, and then we'll get into some of the talk, some of the things related to your talk. Um, okay. So let's start off with uh, where you're from and where you live at the moment. Uh, from the Philadelphia area, but uh, finally moved to Boulder, Colorado, uh, about a year and a half ago. Awesome. How do you like Boulder? Oh, it's been great. It's really nice. Uh, lots of outdoors, which is great. And <laughs> it's only an hour and a half drive to amazing ski resorts versus the hour and a half drive to terrible ski resorts I have in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so it's a nice upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask what made you move, but I guess mountains are one of the core core reasons. Um, it was actually probably secondarily. Um, oh, really? The, yeah, what made us move was just kind of a fuck it to be honest um <laughs> the, it was just we came out here to visit a friend um that we would normally mm. go to wwdc with um after mm -hmm. covid and we stayed here for a week and really enjoyed the place and kind of looked at each other by the end of the week and said uh should we move here um <laughs> we both work remotely in software so like jobs weren't a problem um so we just yeah kind of said screw it and decided to move um the skiing is definitely a nice bonus. Um, that's that's a nice side effect, but that was not the primary reason. That's cool. How long did it take you before, like, before the trip visiting a friend to actually making the move? Oh well, we were supposed to move out here like probably eight months later because they didn't have any spots. Um, but then we oh. got a phone call a month after we left that visit to basically say, "Hey, we have a spot open. You have about an hour to decide because we have more people on <laughs> wow. the phone list." Um, and we decided to move. Um, that's within great. that hour and then oh, wow. the move-in date was about a month later um <laughs> so it was a big move uh 1600 yeah. miles kind of on a whim but it worked yeah. out oh that's pretty cool uh, that's anything awesome. you miss from philadelphia um yeah the it, philly and the east coast it's really easy to get just terrible mm -hmm. for you food uh like good burgers <laughs> good stuff mm -hmm. like that um boulder it's a conversely very easy to eat healthy which is great um uh, <laughs> like there was like one place in philly you could go for like anything that resembled healthy food um <laughs> and out here that's everything so like it's so much easier to eat healthy but sometimes you just want mm. like some really bad chinese food and they don't have yeah. it um <laughs> yeah the chinese food out here is very lacking and a cheesesteak is just non-existent um <laughs> but eating healthier so you know that's a good mm. thing yeah Oh, so uh, I guess we should put on our Chicago list going to to Chinese place. Ah, uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so you you do like snowboarding? That gets us into what you do. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about what what you're what you're working on? Yeah. Um. So I guess most people know me for working on my app Slopes. Um. It's a think Strava and Nike Plus Runkeeper apps like that. Um. But specifically designed for skiers and snowboarders. It started it back in 2013, uh, right around the iOS 6.7 transition. So that was a fun time to be working on an app. Um, and decided in 2015 to try and go full-time with it. 
um, and then I actually went full time in 2016. As part of the transition, you're like, did you have a lot of textures in your app initially, and then before you released, you <laughs> you stripped all the textures out for iOS iOS seven? Uh, not exactly, but yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was more gradient. I was never a big skeuomorphic guy. Um, okay. I actually like the design language of modern iOS much better than the old stuff. Starting uh, with the hot but there was already. more gradient, <laughs> shadows, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And quite a bit of it had to be reworked. It wasn't quite as simple as removing textures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was better because that was, you know, something more like what we have today is more my style anyway. Um, yeah. So I think it worked out. Um, but yeah. it was definitely kind of an oh no moment uh, when I was getting ready to launch and then they redesigned everything and I had yeah. to redesign everything myself too. Mm. What made you start working on slopes in the first place? Uh, it was just I was using another app at the time um, and mm -hmm. the UI and the UX definitely left a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. uh, very well mm -hmm. engineered but clearly built by engineers. Um, <laughs> and I was transitioning from skiing to snowboarding at the time. Mm -hmm. So I wanted something to track my progress and see how I was improving. Um, and so I just kind of said, you know what, I can try writing this myself um and see how it goes um i guess kind of the rest is history from there <laughs> how long did it take you from starting the project until you were like hey this is this is now actually better than than what i used before at least for you for your use case uh well i started building it in april of 2023 so after the winter season had finished um mm -hmm. i basically spent nights and weekends working on it over the summer um, had mountain bikers as my testers because ski resorts let mountain bikers <laughs> use the lift. Um, <laughs> and then September alongside iOS launch is when it came out. Um, and I feel like it took me until the midwinter to really get it to the point where I'm like, oh, okay, this is better. Um, mm -hmm. But I only took, what was it? One month, I think, maybe a month and a half of actual like full-time work to work on it. Um, I was doing contracting at the time, so yep. I just planned a buffer mm. between the contracts. Um, but it was mostly night and weekends um, getting that mm. first launch out the door. That's super impressive. Yeah. And um, the, before that, when you were working as a contractor, was that um, with iOS as well? No, um, that was, well, I had some iOS contracts, um, but it was mm. also web. Um, mm. I was a web guy before iOS came out. Um, so there was, I had kind of 50-50 at that point, probably. Mm. Oh, that's cool. So do you feel like you had, there was a lot of like learning at the same time as making the first oh, version? Oh, no. I had been doing iOS for a while before then. Hmm. Um, I mean, there was a lot of learning in doing some OpenGL programming, yeah. core location <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel like if you haven't used the framework before, there's always something you're going to learn. Yeah. Um, so in yeah. that regard, there was. Um, but uh, I had been doing iOS since the SDK hmm. came out on the side. Hmm. Um, this is just yeah. kind of my first like big big serious yeah, side yeah. project with it how <laughs> the the first time you could actually use the app yourself right when you build it over summer obviously not a lot of skiing hey. uh testing with with uh mountain bikers <laughs> on your first ski trip when you used your own app how much time did you spend fixing bugs that you've only then noticed or small things that you didn't like there were definitely times that I was going and taking a few runs, going back into <laughs> the ski lodge to try and fix a bug or two. That happened occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I had built a whole, like, essentially replacement for core location stuff in the simulator. So I could <laughs> simulate oh, well. skiing down a mountain yeah. in the simulator, um, cool. which made it so it didn't launch with terrible bugs. Um, <laughs> but, it, I mean, it did 
like for example, the first winter I found, I, I had not accounted for time zones. Um, so I took a trip <laughs> up to Colorado and then came back and all of a sudden all my things were like, oh, you skied at, I don't know, into the afternoon, evening instead of the morning. And I was like, oh, oops. Um, so there were definitely bugs. Um, yeah. But fortunately, not a lot that I had to stop in the middle of the day to work on. That's pretty good. Uh, and then what made you decide to go indie? Because obviously you're, you're going to be a speaker on the indie tracks. So it's safe to assume that you're very indie. Uh, what made you decide to 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 go any from, or rather for you probably stop doing contract work and, and focus on slabs full time? Uh, it was about 2015 when I made that decision. And it was one of those, like, I had spent two years with slopes as a paid upfront app, um, trying to convince people to spend $7 on <laughs> an app, all that kind of fun <laughs> stuff that never goes well. Um, <laughs> but I also had a core group of users that really, really love the app. So it mm. kind of felt like there's maybe something here. I just have to tweak the formula and figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, so 2015, I just kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to make a serious attempt at actually doing this and not mm. just treating mm. it like a hobby, but treating it like a business. Um, and that's just, I was really enjoying it. And, you mm. know, it felt like there was a product there, um, but I just hadn't quite figured it out yet. Um, so I figured I'd give myself a season or two to try and really mm. go at it. And I kept contracting work at that time. Um, mm -hmm. I basically just, the more slopes earned, the less contracting I took mm -hmm. and just balanced that out, which is incredibly nice flexibility to be able to do. <laughs> um, I was lucky I had started contracting when I did. Um, mm. but yeah, um, just kind of decided, you know what? I need to give it a shot. It's, oh. there's something here. I hope, mm. uh, was the so thought what, back then. What was the focus then when you decided to give it a shot and sort of, um, like make that shift where were you focusing a lot on um marketing or did you continue doing feature development or did you like talk more to the sort of skiing snowboarding it community? was more on the business side um i mean i had been doing marketing as much as a developer is ever good at marketing <laughs> uh, read none um and you know i've been doing aso and i've been doing screenshots and like i've mm -hmm. been trying to do things right um uh, but it just wasn't really clicking. Um, like, again, I had core users that really liked it. But, like, as a paid upfront app, it was just hard to get that mm -hmm. to go everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so that was actually the one th that I think the change that made all the difference was going to subscriptions. And this is back, I like to say, before subscriptions were cool. Um, <laughs> it was back before <laughs> auto-renew was allowed for anything mm. but dating apps and magazines, basically. Mm. Um, so I was doing manual renew back in the day. Uh and I just decided, like, it needs to be a free upfront, and I need recurring mm -hmm. revenue. Again, mm -hmm. I was a web guy, so I had my foot in the web world, and they had been doing mm -hmm. subscriptions for a decade before iOS did, really. Um, mm -hmm. So I took a lot of inspiration from the web world and looking like, hey, they figured out this whole business <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> there has to be something here on iOS that we can do. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I just decided to make that change. Um, I mean, one of a million changes, but I think that was the big one, was making it so mm -hmm. it was free. And I didn't have to like argue with people to say, no, 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 it's worth eight bucks. Trust me, it's better designed. Yada, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. like that's never a good way to make a sale. Um, it's better just <laughs> let your product speak for itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I was relying on. So I spent all summer reworking it to be a subscription app, essentially, um, yeah, yeah. and then launched that. And you saw an immediate uptick that winter of people trying it out and being happy and then starting subscriptions? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. It more than doubled the first season. Oh, wow. Um, okay, that that is, it was out. That yeah, going from paid upfront to subscription. Mm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely saw success with it. And I saw a lot of things I still had to learn. Um, a lot of things I was still doing wrong, which I'm still doing to this day. But um, I could definitely tell it was a move in the right direction. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was encouraging. And then basically after one more season of that, late 2016 is when I could go full time on it. Because um, mm-hmm. it was bringing in enough revenue to offset all the contracting I had given up. Um, mm. So, yeah, it took like a season and a half, basically, as subscriptions to mm. get it to where it needed to be mm. to, you know, live on it as an indie app, basically. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like sometimes when you tweet about like the iterations you went through for, for your upsell screen, for example. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see how, how it got better and better. And there's a lot to learn from that. I, I really... I really appreciate when you share those. Mm, yeah. Or even all the way to the current iteration of basically not having an upsell screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a crazy journey. Yeah. Um, so now when you're not doing contract work, full-time slopes, how do you structure your day? You have all the freedom in the world to, to structure your day exactly how you want. And so I can imagine you... this might vary throughout the year as well with the seasonal business. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much I try and stick to nine to five. Um, I'm sure my wife would smack me over the head and say it's more (laughs) like 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. But I mean, generally, I try and keep normal working hours. I feel like only since I've moved to Boulder have I really allowed myself to like, oh, I'm going to go take a half day and go skiing because I actually can get to a decent ski resort now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's just generally I try and treat it like a job as much as I can, even though that falls apart a lot and, you know, I'll get inspiration <laughs> for a feature or something. Um, finding work-life balance has been a struggle. Um, it's hard. Mm. Definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Does it change a lot depending on if you're in the middle of winter and then the calmer period as far as usage goes, but probably the more stressful period as far as income goes do you try to structure your your work year uh around the season yeah definitely Mm. yeah it's the during the winter is much more uh putting out fires um (laughs) because i mean essentially it's a bell curve for the season for both usage and revenue so it's from early december to late march is really the peak usage for the Mm. app and that's when all the bugs come in. That's when fires happen. Everything I have to worry about there. Um, and then during the summer is the calmer time when I get to work on the bigger things, um, mm. the things that can take, you know, two months to write or something like that. Because um, mm. I actually have the calm time and I'm not, you know, trying to put out fires every day or something like that. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely kind of an ebb and flow structure, um, which is nice. I've come to appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate those natural breaks. Mm. how do you deal with things like server load because it's kind of do you have an idea of how many more users you'll have for the up like every time before the season starts or do you just monitor it closely and you're like all right i guess i gotta spin up my servers or, or try to optimize things yeah it's um that's been a challenge um so <laughs> last season i added essentially find my friends um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is the biggest server load um, that mm-hmm. we have because slopes mostly would work offline. It would just record your mm-hmm. GPS data mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, upload it. So I could get away with like a $12 a month DigitalOcean server <laughs> plus a database server. Like it wasn't bad. Mm. Um, but now now we're getting 250 requests per second um, oh. during the peak <laughs> yeah. day, uh, which in the grand scale of the internet is adorable, but that's still <laughs> but a lot. still, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been a bit of a learning curve there because um, I'm 
able to look at last year, sort of, kind of, but it was still the first time the feature came out, so I couldn't quite predict uh, where we were at. So there was actually mm-hmm. last weekend was the first weekend I had an issue and I had to throw two more servers at it. Uh, but I had set everything up so I could just provision servers and throw it in mm-hmm. there if I needed to, and it's working out great now. But um, it can be a little bit hard to predict just because this is kind of uncharted territory mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I have this season under my belt, it's a lot easier to predict what usage is going to be like next season and mm-hmm. plan ahead for that. Do you enjoy the backend parts or or do you still prefer working on, on the iOS and uh, iOS client? Yeah, I don't know. I've always been a web guy. Um, mm. As much as it's annoying to put out a server fire, I was having a lot of fun. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, no, I've, I think I enjoy mm. all of it. I think I think what I what I always like when I, there is a server component and a marketing component to a product, it's it's nice to have a variety. I think mm-hmm. it's it sometimes get a bit um, uh, like every day can feel the same if you're working just on iOS. And I I personally quite like being able to like switch gear a bit and go to go to a different platform now and then. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's why I thrive as running this business mm-hmm. is because. I'm doing design, development, UX, growth, database scaling, <laughs> putting out web fires, PHP, <laughs> Swift, like I'm all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I think my brain really thrives on just being able to latch on to new problems every once in a while. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit um, and go a little bit more in the direction of Deep Swift. Deep Dish Swift. Uh, have you been to Chicago before? Yes. Um, I was there for the release notes conference in 2017, mm-hmm. I think it was. Uh, oh. Have you had deep dish pizza? I feel like I had to have at some point. Um, <laughs> I don't remember it, but I know I've had deep dish pizza at some point. I don't know what type of, if that's a good or a bad review, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't remember it. Well, East Coast pizza is very different from like Chicago yeah. pizza. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. partial to the East Coast pizza, but I'm sure I've had deep dish at some point. I had <laughs> There's no way I could have gotten through life without having a deep dish pizza. That just feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I expect it to be another deep dish pizza in your, in your new future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm think sure. I think Josh will make sure of it. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm sure. <laughs> So uh, what are you going to talk about at at a conference this year? Uh, subscriptions. Um, <laughs> How fitting. So uh, he, he pushed me for a title. Um, <laughs> poor sweet Josh pushing a speaker for a title two months ahead of the conference. Uh, that's adorable. Especially an indie speaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, that was cute. Um, so it's subs 103. Uh, or sorry, subs 301. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't want to get... Um, this super easy, obvious stuff yeah. with subscriptions that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good blog posts and resources out there for that. Um, but I wanted to talk something a little bit more in depth uh, mm-hmm. for it. So mm-hmm. a little bit more of an, I don't want to call it advanced, but a little bit more of an advanced course. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I think, I think that is something that like taking it to sort of that next level is something I think many people can really find value in. Uh, I'm really, so. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I hope so because it's it's there's just so much experimentation to it to figure mm-hmm. it out. Um, and I mean, I'm still learning and messing stuff up all the time and trying new things. Like that's just what you have to do. Um, and I found a lot of stuff that's worked really well for slopes wouldn't work well for other apps. Um, it's so situational. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's an evolving landscape, um, and there's a lot to play around with. 
Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk about the things that I've been playing around with that have worked for me um, that won't necessarily work for everyone, um, hmm. but will work for me and can be important. Because um, if you don't do some of them, then a subscription business can fail just as easily as a paid upfront app can fail. Hmm. Um, hmm. It's not like the subscription is the silver bullet. There's still a lot you have to get right <laughs> and experiment with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I think that was really fun. Um, I know that you've been giving um, you've been giving talks in the past before. I think you gave one at uh, one of our local meetups online. Um, I'm curious, what's uh, what made you interested in starting to give talks and sort of talk about subscriptions? Um, I don't know if there's anything specific that happened. Um, it's just more. I just I enjoy talking shop with people, and <laughs> I enjoy sharing what I've learned. Um, <laughs> I guess that's part of why I started um, the Slopes Diaries online, the blog yeah, series kind yeah. of just, mm -hmm. I started in 2015 when I was trying to make it a business um, was I feel like not enough people always share this information. And that is kind of important to me because as somebody who was getting into this, trying to make a software business, there weren't many people out there talking about it. Um, at least not transparently, um, mm -hmm. you know, they would, it would be the Bezos chart with like no Y axis <laughs> numbers. Um, and like, Oh, look at how much we sold. And so the, yeah, that gives me no sense of scale. Is that a hundred thousand dollars or is that a thousand dollars? I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. and trying to start a business without any context of how it was going for anyone else was really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so I've just kind of been trying to keep all that out there and share what mm -hmm. I can. It is really cool. And it is, it is, I, I often find it super intimidating to share things. It's like, will people look at our numbers and make fun of us for, <laughs> you know, uh, how low our conversion is? But there's so much value in seeing this is where mm -hmm. we're at, this is what we tried, this is where we failed, this is where it went better. Yeah. There's a lot of value. In well, it. and it's hard too. Like, as Slopes has now grown to the point where we have employees, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're probably bringing on the third full time employee in March. Um, mm. plus part-time Android dev plus mm -hmm. anywhere from zero to six contractors at the same time, working on customer support and mapping research. And, um, the numbers get a lot bigger and then that gets weird <laughs> to share yeah. too. Um, you're it's everyone likes and finds it easy sharing when you're the underdog and it's like, Oh yeah. look, you know, I'm working hard to try yeah. and, you know, break a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And I feel like that's yeah. an easier story to share. I've struggled yeah. a bit more recently because it's like, now yeah. it just feels like a humble break. Um, but, <laughs> but the good I thing mean, is, that you is, have a I history, think, part of the right? Thing. You have a history of sharing your numbers. It's not that yes. you're like, look at me, I, I'm super successful, right? right? You're like, look, right. I, I just yeah. always try to be transparent. And I do think there's a lot of um, value at sharing the numbers where you're at. Because like for, for us, for example, we, we started with two people, right? So we had different expectations of how much money our indie apps had to make. And it it was intimidating and seeing you working on on slopes and seeing so much success with that actually a lot made us feel a lot more that there is a pathway towards it being something that can sustain two people yeah so i i do uh well i understand where you're coming from uh, i i i do i do think there's there's i i do appreciate a lot that you're sharing your numbers even now when when they've grown <laughs> and having the history of seeing where you started from uh, i think I, I wouldn't worry you feeling I wouldn't feel bad oh, I don't, about it. Yeah, I don't worry too much. And that's something I don't like. People will, you know, talk a lot in the beginning. And then as soon as they hit success, they stop talking. And it's like, no, mm -hmm. we need to see the journey continue. Um, yeah. And I think because you had said sharing it earlier, showing the smaller numbers, like I think that's part of 
what I've tried to put out there is like, this is a long journey. Like mm-hmm. you're probably not just going to suddenly be successful overnight. Yeah. Like I've been working on this since yeah. 2013. Um, mm-hmm. And it takes a long time to get to a point of where I am, unless you're doing crazy VC growth or something like yeah. that, yeah. Uh, but not bootstrapped. Yeah. Oh. And I think for many people that is like, it's obvious in hindsight when you say like, oh yeah, it took, took people a while to get to where they are. But I think, I think often you don't see that at all. And I uh, think you just see someone tweeting or posting somewhere about yeah. How they mm-hmm. how they reach their first million dollars and it's like oh that looks easy like they just reached their first <laughs> right. million dollars but then if you have the whole history you can really see it I think um, it just adds a lot more complexity to it yeah. and I it, think people appreciate it a lot more than it's the nine year overnight success exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> um, so how are you pre- <laughs> now when you were locked into your your talk title how are you preparing for your talk are you are you all done all, all set you're <laughs> huh. fully rehearsed you're ready ta- to give it ta- yeah the okay. title is the, totally is the ready first to go. Bit, right um, <laughs> no I I have a notes file in the notes app that I just kind of brainstorm into and I'm still yeah. at that stage of mm. exactly what I want to talk about um, mm. and that's going to evolve over the next month or so and then I'll probably start actually working on an outline and stuff like that mm. um but yeah, it's kind of a slow burn for me. Um, mm. Yeah, I like to brainstorm a lot and just kind of like let ideas come and pay attention to the conversations I'm having with people and kind mm-hmm. of see what we're talking mm. about and what's been interesting and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, My talk will come together in the last couple of weeks before the conference <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, that's how it always works for me and it's, it's always yeah. worked really well. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's, I'm just weird like that. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think I, I'm glad to hear, I think both you and I, we spoke to another speaker. I think the process, it, it, it sounds like people take a while before the talk is ready and done. Um, and I do think I feel the same. It's like, it's, it's a lot of sort of figuring things out in the beginning, just like brainstorming different ideas and having like i think i usually have a notes document and i cut it it might be like let's say it's 100 line let's cut it down to 10 lines it's it's just yeah. so much garbage that goes in there first <laughs> so i'm like maybe i could do this and this and this mm. and then you just have to massage yeah. it and then but i mean it's not too dissimilar there. from app development either right initially you're like all right this is what i want in my version 1.0 and you have this very ambitious uh, list of things. And yep. then you're getting closer to shipping. You're like, all right, I can actually live with half of those features. <laughs> <laughs> and then you polish polish that for the last couple of weeks. And you're like, cool, now I'm actually pretty happy. And then you just make it your roadmap rather than your 1.0 feature list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Should we go into our rapid fire uh, yeah. segment? Let's do it. Um yeah, so I this is just a part where we have a few different questions uh, that we'll ask all all speakers, and we thought it's a good way, a good icebreaker for people who are attending conference who are attending the conference to to go up and chat with the speakers about. Um, so we'll start with your um, f- what's your favorite iOS app? It doesn't have to be around anymore. It can be like in the history of iOS apps. <laughs> The original YouTube app on the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, really. Jeez, um, I don't know. These are hard questions. These are very opinionated questions. Um, you know, I think on the uh, on the iOS side of things, the Maps app has always been one that I've really appreciated. 
Um, okay. They've always done some interesting yeah. UI. Um, I really like what they're doing with their 3D rendering, basically mm-hmm. making SimCity mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. with individual trees and crosswalks and all that. Like, mm. They've so done cute. some really interesting stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they forced Google to finally update their map tile set yeah. so it actually looks decent. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's kind of a, um, a stealth hit. But yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the Maps app has always been one for me that they've, I've always looked to that for some inspiration. Yeah. That's also a good example of a nine-year overnight success. <laughs> yes. You know, how they launched <laughs> yeah. and everyone was just bashing the oh, they app hated for it. years. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, was the favorite story that someone got lost in Australia every week because they used the Apple Maps. <laughs> and now mm-hmm. it's, it came such a long way that you can actually see, you can map your walking path based on where crosswalks are and where you have mm-hmm. tree coverage. And if you, I don't know if you walk in Arizona or something, it's, it's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. in Paris a couple of weeks ago and doing the walking directions. It was saying, oh, we're going to route you this direction because that direction would have a very steep hill. Uh, which mm-hmm. you can totally mm-hmm. do, but here's a slightly softer hill if you'd like that. Mm. And like that was part of the recommendation engine. And yeah. that really I thought cool. was really cool. I appreciated mm. that. It's very human. Um, yeah. mm. The audio navigation actually impressed me last year when they added the new maps, I guess two years ago, um, where now it'll say like at the second traffic light, turn left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. stuff yeah. like that's just so much more human then turn left onto Broadway Avenue because you have no yeah. idea what that is. Um, but the second traffic light, you can figure that out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's yeah. where I feel like they've had a lot of little touches in that app that have been, um, they're, they're, I guess, trying to make it human, um, yeah. which I like. Yeah. That's yeah, a good, good pick. pick. So favorite Mac app. Uh, this, so this one, uh, I was actually frantically searching Finder um, <laughs> before uh, we recorded, trying to figure out an answer to this question. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess it's, uh, mainly cause I'm a developer, but the, I find myself always recommending the Xcodes app, plural of oh, Xcode, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that'll automatically see if there are new Xcodes available, download them, mm-hmm. switch mm-hmm. between them. It just makes Xcode beta life so much easier. Um, uses multiple URL sessions for faster downloading, like it's such a stupid little utility that we shouldn't need, but it's indispensable, <laughs> especially during the summer. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out there as my no, favorite I, Mac I, app. I right like now. that a lot. I mean, it's yeah. a develop, developer conference, Mac developer tools. Uh, yeah, it's great. They should get all the love they can. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect. All right. What is your? Uh, what about iPhone? What's the favorite iPhone that was ever made? Model. Model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It feels uh, for the longest time, I would probably say like the iPhone five, but I feel like the 13, yeah. it got back to the, the shape and the feel that I liked about the iPhone yeah, five, yeah. Mm-hmm. but the dynamic Island is a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the first time I feel like anything came out on the iPhone that was just fun for mm-hmm. some yeah, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, there's something to that joy of hardware software. Plus mm. it just feels great to hold. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like the 13 Pro is probably there. 14 Pro, right? 14 Pro, sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like all the the system animations when you're flicking an app into the dynamic mm-hmm. island. Yeah. And you give it a little bit of a curve. Yeah. And, the, like and if you throw the, it to the, the side. app curves into the dynamic yeah. island and kind of hits it and pushes it a little bit. I think mm-hmm. those kind of things are super, They super clearly fun. had a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah. yeah. But they got back to the hard edges, the flat edges that I love on the older yeah. iPhone. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It 
it feels like you can hold like I'm not having a, a yeah. case of mine, so you can hold it without being worried of dropping it at this point. Yes. Oh, yeah. if it weren't for the dynamic island, I probably would have said the twelve mini, because yeah. that was <laughs> the perfect shape and size of phone ever built. Um, but then they <laughs> killed I, I it. I do agree a hundred percent with both of those statements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a shame, um, <laughs> but is what it is. <laughs> yeah. All right, food item. What is your favorite food item? Uh, probably sushi. Oh, okay. Mm, how, how's the that's sushi a, in Boulder? <laughs> not great. <laughs> really not great. Uh, I found one or two acceptable places around here. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's not the best. Okay. How was it in Philadelphia? Do you have lots of sushi there? I wouldn't say a lot, um, but there were certainly some good places um, mm. that I enjoyed, yeah. And you had New York City nearby. There were some decent places in the suburbs. I'd say it was easier to find good sushi out there than it is here. But, you know, you're mm. close to an ocean there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, not so much in the middle of the United States. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and next time in Vancouver, we should do a sushi crawl then. Because I, I don't think I've ever been, I've ever lived in a place with as many good sushi places as mm -hmm. Vancouver. Yeah. And, and nice. cheap. Vancouver sushi is very, very affordable. Um. Yeah, it's cool. like a, it's it's like a taco in San Diego. It's a sushi in Vancouver. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, this one I think is fun. Um, we're gonna we call it two truths, or we call it people call it two truths and a lie. Um, where you tell us two things that are true about, or two truth statements and one lie, and you won't reveal the answer because we figure it's fun for people to try to figure it out. And then okay. potentially walk up to you at a conference and uh, tell Call them me what their guess is. On what... one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, also, uh, just to make it a little bit harder to guess, don't <laughs> you don't have to have them in this order of two truths. I figured. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> um, so I have my pilot's license. Um, I am a surprisingly good dancer. And I have lived in Japan for six months. Oh, wow. All I right. like those. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I think I have a guess. Uh, I'm gonna gonna tell it. I'm gonna guess when once we meet up in person, <laughs> of which ones are lie. So, if people want to keep up with uh, what you're up to and slopes and the development, where should people follow you online? Uh, well, that's a loaded question. The last five <laughs> months that has been the iOS community <laughs> trying to find a new home. Um, I'm still on Twitter as parrots. Uh, the plural of the bird. Um, mm -hmm. I'm over on Mastodon too. Um, Parrots, Mastodon social. Um, you probably, if you want to keep up with the slope stuff, just go to curtisherbert.com and my blog is there. Um, that's where I'll write the slopes diaries with everything that's going on there. Um, and you can find it in the app store for both iOS and Android. Perfect. We also, also, we're going to put all the yeah. links in the show notes. So people figured, don't even yeah. have to search. You can just hit that slopes link in the show notes. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, thank you so much again for joining us um, for the episode, Curtis. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you in Chicago in a couple of months. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Slices. The Deep Dish Swift Conference is happening in Chicago from April 30th to May 2nd in 2023. Uh, all the links are in the show notes to both Curtis and Slopes and all the places where you can find find him as well as um, all the links to Deep Dish and where to get tickets and where to get more info. 
in the next episode, we'll talk to Emmanuel, the creator of Card Pointers, and see you all then. Bye. You freestyle there. Went a I bit know. off the off the script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, 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 it is hard when you have the words written and like. I know. You know. Yeah. And then then I, I I read something I didn't like. I was like, nah, I do it differently. <laughs> <laughs> then I try to find find my way back on the rails. Usually our podcasts are super uncoordinated, and this is the reason why. This, this <laughs> time limit and and scripted parts is, yeah. is not a thing i i'm good at <laughs> which <laughs> i guess is is a good omen for our talk <laughs> yeah <laughs>